Thank you so much for joining us online today. Next Level Church exists to lead people to become fully engaged followers of Jesus. We'd love to hear about what God is doing in your life. You can email us at mystory@nextlevelchurch.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. For locations and service times, visit nextlevelchurch.com locations. Also, if you'd like to be a part of what God is doing here by giving, go to nextlevelchurch.com slash give. We hope you enjoy this message and have a great day. locations, Coconut Point, Gateway, Fort Myers, online. Welcome to all of you. I am with one of my very best friends in all the world, a man who knows no needs no introduction around here. Pastor Peter Haas Come is on. in the house. Come on. As many of you probably already know, <laughs> Pastor Peter uh, is uh, like a brother from another mother. For me, we're literally born one day apart. We look alike. We do. I was born on June 15th. He was born on June 16th. You can tell who's the older and wiser. I know. So anyway. The gray uh, hair. And, and, That's how people knew. Wow. Wow. That's you, how people knew. Wow. There you go. So I, you like got, to, <laughs> I like to think of myself as the rock and roll brother. And, and we got I like business, to think brother. of my, myself as the successful one. Oh. <laughs> wait. Wait. <laughs> Dude, you said gray hair. Yeah. It's I, unbelievable. I called it out, man. So he has two books. Go buy them. Blah, blah, blah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so not only does Pastor Peter and his wife, Carolyn, as we're here with them, their whole family's down, uh, but we, we pulp a swap once a year where Sarah and I and our family will go up to Minneapolis, to the Twin Cities, be a part of Substance Church, and then once a year they come down here. And so uh, they are here for the weekend. He has poured into our church yearly uh, for, for over eight years. He's one of our spiritual overseers as well. So he's not just uh, great friends of Sarah and I, but uh, Pastor Peter, you really do play uh, that role of speaking into the life of our church. And so he's an author, written two books. One is called Ferris. I'll let you figure it out. And the other one is called Broken Escalators. And so here's what I bet. I bet you you have read one or, or, or the other. So here's what I want you to do. I, all of our locations this weekend, we have both of these. So make sure you go and get the other one that you don't have yet because it will bless your life. So come on, one more time, all of our locations. Put your hands together. Welcome, Pastor Peter Haas. Love you, man. Come on. Come on, Next Level Church. You guys feeling good today? You made it. You're in church. It is awesome to be in the house of God. And of course, I just so you know, seriously, Next Level Church is like one of my favorite churches in the entire United States. I love your pastors. I love you guys. This is like a second home to my, my family and me. And we're going to have some fun today because we are in the series called Just Be. Just Be. And of course, we're going to talk about how to just 
be generous. I believe that generosity actually is one of the most effortless things when we understand how God designed it. It should just flow from who we are. And we're going to talk about how to do that today. But uh, before we dive into that, I want to share with you some pretty crazy stories. I know every time I'm at Next Level, I love to share stories of what God is doing in our church and what God is doing in our personal lives. And I, I want to share a couple stories that I believe are going to really stir up your faith tonight. It's going gonna, it's gonna to mess with you in a good way. Uh, many of you guys know that my wife and I have three feisty kids. We've got two teenage girls, and uh, which are a boatload of fun. And then we've got a feisty, uh, just opinionated 11-year-old boy. And there, you see their pictures on the screen. And uh, I, I want to tell a story about one of my, my girls, though. My, my second daughter is named True. She's the one at the top middle. And, and True is, is pretty unique because uh, she's got what you'd like to call maybe a prophetic gift. Have you ever heard of a prophetic gift before? I Like for years, I didn't even know if I believed in all this kind of stuff, but yet I, I've seen God do some crazy things even through my daughter. People would come up to us and they would say, uh, your daughter has like this really strong prophetic gift on her. And I'd be like, I'm not even sure I know what that means. And, and I, you know how like some people are really strange and you're kind of like, okay, thank you. You know, nice to meet you. No, but like seriously, okay. People would say this about my daughter all the time, and sure enough, from the time she turned nine, God would use her to do the craziest stuff. She would literally like point people out in church and say, God's going to heal that person this coming Friday uh, of their knee issue. And sure enough, on Friday, they'd be like, my knee, it's like perfect. And like, it's like weird stuff. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, it happened. You know what I'm saying? And, and, but, but this is, so this is the story though that, that really kind of messed with me. Um, that we were, my wife and I were, were going to sell our house. We were trying to move into a new house. We had outgrown our last house and, and we put our house on the market. And this is back when, you know, the, the market was awful. You know what I'm saying? Like you guys know that more than anybody because how bad it hit Southwest Florida. But like in Minneapolis, the average for sale time was 159 days. And so the day we put it on the market, um, our realtor just said, um, Peter, you don't get your hopes up. It's going to take, it, on average, it takes about 159 days, okay? So, and, and nobody really gets their asking price, but, but we're, so just don't get your hopes up. We're going to hope for the best, um, but just be realistic about this. And so I'm telling my wife this, okay? So we put our house up on the market on that day, and I was telling my wife, hey, listen, this is what the realtor told me, just so you understand this. And of course, as I'm sharing this, my daughter interrupts me, and she goes, no, 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 dad, actually... The Lord told me our house is going to sell in exactly five days from today, and you're going to get your asking price. What? Like, that's the crazy, like, I looked at her, and I'm like, what? And she goes, yeah, actually, the Lord said, to be specific, the Lord said, you're going to be discouraged on Saturday, but you're going to be encouraged on Sunday, okay? And don't worry, you're going to get your asking price. And I'm kind of like, Okay, daughter. You know, like, okay, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I just, you have to understand, I'm kind of a skeptical guy, and I'm, I'm not like, I'm not going to be like, I don't know. I was just kind of skeptical, and, and sure enough, we did an open house on Saturday, and, and all these people came through, and they critiqued it, and they said, I can't even believe you're selling, you're, ask, you're asking this for this house. This is terrible. No way are you going to get this. They critiqued it, and sure enough, we were discouraged on Saturday, and then Sunday, somebody literally just offered us the asking price. Exactly five days, exactly how my daughter said it. How many of you know you're going to listen to your daughter just a little bit more, you know what I'm saying? And, and, uh, and don't get me wrong, she still has her unspiritual moments. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I started listening to her more and it, and, and it kind of messed with me, okay? Well, 
That story is nothing compared to the one I'm about to share with you, okay? The, what happened next. But just to give you a little context, okay? Uh, fast forward a few months. At the time, our church was just having a terrible time trying to buy property. It just wasn't working for us. Let's get this. Even though our church had $5 million in the bank, we couldn't save it or we couldn't spend it to save our lives. We just couldn't buy property. Every time we tried to buy property, uh, the city would illegally shut us down. And it was the most frustrating thing. Uh, and believe it or not, it got to the point where we made a serious attempt at eight different properties that all of which fell through because of some sort of uh, weird zoning discrimination that the city was doing. And of course, almost every single time, you know, I mean, we'd lose tens of thousands of dollars every single time a property would fall through. And, and really, the only last resort I had was a lawsuit. But how are you supposed to sue the people you're trying to reach? You know what I'm saying? It's a little complicated. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't, like, and so I, I didn't want to do that. And every time I'm like, God, this is so frustrating. Like, I, I, I want to love on my city. I want to bless my city. I want to bless the government here. I want to, like, like, and yet the, the, the city just didn't see it that way. And they did everything in their power to, to make it impossible for us. And of course, every single time things just fell apart, I would just get depressed because this was like a, this was months and months of work. This was lots of money. And of course, you know, morale could not have been lower in our church. And because literally every single time one of the properties would fall through, um, the critics would rise up and, you know, people would leave our church. I, I'll never forget one, one time one of the properties fell through. One of our, our long-term families said, Pastor, you promised us we would be in a building and you have not done it. I'm done. You are the clueless leader. And they just laughed in a big stink. And of course, they dragged a whole bunch of friends with us, which of course just affected our income even worse. And then of course, other people in our church are like, wow, they left? That family left the church? And then maybe we should leave. And, and you know how people kind of come and go in and, and clumps. And yet, you know, you have to understand, I, like, as this was happening, I felt so powerless because I'm like, listen, I can't, I can't publicly tell you what is going on without demonizing our city. I can't publicly tell you what's, like, and so and yet people were leaving. And, and, and get this, over a 1,000 people ended up leaving our church in a two-year period throughout the season just because they just, you know, it's not happening. It's just this... Clearly, this leadership doesn't understand it. They don't get it. And, and, and it, honestly, it was probably one of the most depressing seasons of my life. I just felt so discouraged. I felt, I, I, honestly, I, I kind of felt like an idiot. And, you know, whenever we feel ho hopeless or, or just hurt, you know, there's this tendency that just kind of inside of us that rises up to be stingy or angry or, you know what I'm talking about? Have, have you ever had just a terrible, terrible year before? Just raise your hand. Come on, all campuses, just raise your hand. I, I think we've all had those years where when, when we're down on our luck or when we feel hurt by people, there's this tendency to kind of pull back, to recoil, to hold on to what we've got and not share it with anybody. Stinginess. And that's where I was at. And I, I just, over the years though, I, God has challenged me and taught me a discipline that I want to teach you today. And, and those of you who are note takers, you're going to want to write this down because I really believe there's a spiritual discipline called sowing in tears, sowing in tears. And it's based on Psalm 126.5. And if I could just summarize it in a nutshell, Psalm 126.4 and 5, it, it basically talks about using generosity as a catalyst to change your fortune. 
okay, to change your circumstances. And I, I just want to quickly read it to you. Psalm 126, verse, starting in verse 4, says this. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. It's the desert there, okay? So in other words, this is a prayer and a promise about turning our fortunes around. And so whatever it is that you got going on, maybe you have something going on in your physical body, in your family, in your finances, okay? Here is the prayer, okay? Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the streams in the Negev. And then verse 5, those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with two things, songs of joy and carrying sheaves with him. Now, what does that mean? Okay, let me unpack this a little bit, okay? Keep in mind, seed in the Old Testament basically meant money, okay? This is an agricultural society, and so your seed is your ability to make money. It's like your investments, okay? So it's like a, a financial investment. Seed equals currency. And so the psalmist is saying, if you and I can remain generous, even when we don't feel like it, even when we're down and out, even when we're down on our luck, going paycheck to paycheck, if we can remain generous, can carry seed to sow, money to throw out there generously, that, that it will reap two things. We'll reap joy and we'll reap more wealth. Think about that. That's a promise in the Bible, okay? And, and, and yet, there's that natural tendency to hold on to things, and yet the psalmist says, no, that's only going to clog up your joy and clog up your future blessings, okay? So that was me in my terrible year, right? Getting back to that, right around that time, when we had just lost all these people, just the worst criticisms coming left and right. Of course, right around that time, one of my pastor friends ended up just acquiring a new church building in Los Angeles. And you know how it is, whenever you're having your worst year ever, there's always that friend that's having the best year ever. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about? You're trying to get pregnant and then, some, you know, it's not happening. And then Fertile Myrtle just machine guns 30 babies out. You know, you're like, what? You're like, what? Right? You're striving for opportunity at work, and then your dark friend is like, gosh, they just offered me six digits. And you're just like, Arr. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm talking about? I know you guys are probably more spiritual than that. You never do that, right? So you guys are always just happy, bless the Lord all the time. You know what I'm saying? But... Uh, <laughs> Me, I'm not like that, okay? So here, I, my friend gets this gorgeous building in L.A., and I happen to be on a business trip in L.A., and he called me up, and he's like, dude, I got to show you this building, and I'm like, okay, you know, like I'll... So I went on a tour of this building, and of course, I, I'm not going to lie, it was gorgeous. His building was gorgeous. It was a total miracle story. It was one of those hundred-year-old historical buildings right outside of downtown Los Angeles. I'm, I'm talking the coolest location you could ever ask for for a church. I mean, and a property that would be almost impossible to acquire or even pay for, and yet miraculously he had acquired it. Now he just needed to kind of renovate it. He needed money to renovate it, and I'm like, yeah, well, I need a building, so be quiet. You know what I'm saying? I, I was kind of feeling that, and of course, yet as I toured this building I was just like, I was in awe, like, oh, this would be such a dream. And of course, I was kind of depressed even as I saw it because it just reminded me of everything I couldn't have. Just reminded me of everything that wasn't working in my life. And out of nowhere, the Holy Spirit just impressed upon my heart. Peter, you give him a large sum of money, okay? Now, if you, it wasn't an audible voice, but I knew it clearly wasn't my voice. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't think those thoughts, right? But it was just out of nowhere. Peter, give this guy a large sum of money. If you want to reap a building like this, you have to sow a seed into this building. 
And of course, immediately I thought, no, I, you know, like I need every dollar I can get. You know what I'm saying, God? Like I, like I have a worse situation. You know, we always kind of like to imagine, we, we talk about our worst situation and, and immediately out of nowhere, Psalm 126 came to mind. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow will return with songs of joy. And I just, I'll never forget in that moment, just stopping and surrendering and saying, all right, God, all right, God, if your word is true, let's do it. Let's, I trust you. I trust you. And so, you know, fast forward over the next couple months, I was really hoping to see that turnaround. After all, I had kind of surrendered to the Lord. I, I planted that seed, right? I, I thought, this is it. This is going to happen. It's gonna, my miracle is coming. And, and, and guess what? So we made this decision to try to acquire this next property. And I'm thinking, it's going to happen this time. This is the one. This is the magic number. And all of a sudden, it fell through again. And uh, I didn't expect that. I kept thinking, what in the world is going on? And, and, and if I could be totally vulnerable with you, I, I kind of slipped into the deepest depression of my life. It, in fact, that season, I was so depressed, I literally told my wife, you know what? I'm, I've failed at pastoring. I'm not a good pastor. I, I have failed to do even the most basic thing, and that's get our church into a building. And I, I, I literally, I told her every single day for two months, we're not going to be pastoring long. Because that, that's how I felt. That's how I felt. It's so easy to get lost there, but it just wasn't working for me. And I don't know if you've ever felt like, you know what, God's word work, seems to work for Joe Super Christian next to you. You know what I'm saying? But not for me. It seems to work for that Matt Keller, you know, but it doesn't work for me. I know you guys have never really felt that, but I, I, there's times where I kind of feel like, gosh, you know, like it, maybe God does these things, but he just doesn't do it for me. And that's, that's where I was at. And and so get this, in the middle of that dark season, when I, I just was feeling down and out, my, my daughter, True, came up to me, and, and she was only about 10 years old at the time, but she said, Daddy, the, she goes, I want to encourage you. She, she tapped me on the shoulder, and she said, Daddy, the Lord actually spoke to me about a church building for us. And she goes, it was just like our house. And of course, I was immediately like, really? You know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was now interested, okay? I'm like, really? Like, what do you mean? And she goes, well, yeah, Dad... By this, the Lord told me by this time next Thursday, you're going to find a building that substance is going to be in, and you're not going to get it right away, but you're going to go for it. And of course, I had no real estate meetings planned. I, I had no idea how that was supposed to happen. And then, and then she said, she even took it a step farther, and she goes, and, and Daddy, God even showed me what it was going to look like. And I'm like, really? You know what I'm saying? And she goes, yeah, it has like um, a, a double layer where people sit. And I'm like, like a balcony? And she goes, yes, it's got a balcony in it. And you're going to find it by this time next Thursday. And of course, I'm going to be honest. The moment she said balcony, I'm like, no way. Like no stinking way. Like how in the world am I supposed to just like magically find a balcony by this time next Thursday, right? I mean, I, you have to understand, I've looked at uh, hundreds of properties throughout the entire metro. I can guarantee you there is no listed property that is currently listed that has a balcony in the entire metro. I just know that. And of course, everything in me was like, Peter the skeptic was rising up. And I just felt like in that moment, Peter, uh, the Lord was like, Peter, be quiet. Is anything too difficult for me? And I, I remember kind of stopping and saying, like, once again, you know, like, no, God, nothing is too difficult for you. Then trust me. And I, I remember kind of surrendering, like, okay, okay, God, if you want to provide a building with a balcony by this time next Thursday, then you can do that, okay? So anyway, so I, I, I kind of, I stopped in that moment, and, 
And fast forward in the next couple of days, uh, started rolling on and nothing happened. And, you know, so all of a sudden we're on, we're on Tuesday of the next week, only two days away from Thursday, the, the day that my daughter pointed out, and nothing's happening. And I, I, I'm like, what's up with this, God? You know, and all of a sudden on Tuesday morning, I got a phone call from my, from my, our CFO, basically our finance guy. And he's like, pastor, I totally forgot to tell you that we were going into downtown Minneapolis to look at a building as a possible option for a future substance campus. Could you make it? And I'm like, you know, like, he's like, I'm so sorry. I forgot to put this on your calendar. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's okay. And I'm like, you're seriously going to look at a building? And he's like, yeah, I'm so sorry, Pastor. Could you make it? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I'll make it. I'll make it. I'll. And, and so I get off the phone, and my daughter heard me on the phone talking about a building. And she goes, you're talking about a building, aren't you? <laughs> and she goes, Daddy, it, it's, it's beautiful. It's got a balcony. And in fact, the Lord even showed me what it's going to look like. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, she goes, well, it, she actually explained that it's covered in red. And she goes, oh, the Lord... The Lord told me, you'll know this is the one he's going to provide for you when you look up and say, wow. And it's covered in red, okay? So, and I, I thought, oh, I don't even know what that means because, you know, you look up at most buildings and you don't say, wow. But I, I'm like, okay, uh, thanks, true, you know, go to school. And, you know, <laughs> you know, you know I, I didn't know what else to say. So, anyway, uh, so two hours later, I'm, I'm in downtown Minneapolis getting a tour of this building called the Historic Wesley Building. This, it's a 125-year-old building in the heart of our downtown skyline. And of course, I walked in, and over the sanctuary is this gorgeous glass dome. Not just over the sanctuary, two different glass domes. And, and when I looked up, the word just came flying out of my mouth, wow. And the moment I said wow, I literally was like, oh my gosh, I just said wow. I just said, wow. I'm like looking at my staff. I just said, wow. And they're like, what's going on with pastor? And I'm like, never mind. Just, and I, I took out my phone and I started taking pictures. And of course, uh, you, you know, over, it's just the most gorgeous glass dome. I literally started snapping pictures on my phone. Holy spirit buzz going on. And of course, my daughter went to school that day. And while there, she, she decided to draw a picture of the vision that God had given her to help me know if the building I was looking at was the one. And so, okay, so by the time I walked in the door from work that night, she came running up to me with the drawing she had, and she said, Daddy, is this the building you looked at today? Because this is the building that God showed me. And when I saw her picture, I totally freaked out because it looked almost identical to the, to the photo I had taken four hours earlier. In fact, here's the side-by-side -side comparison. That's the photo I took four hours earlier. And that's the picture she drew. Okay, what are the odds of a 10-year-old, first off, being able to draw a balcony like that, okay? Even if you knew what the thing looked like, okay? But, I mean, what are the odds that a balcony is even shaped like that? I mean, that's not even a normal. And, and you'll notice also in the picture, it's covered in red, just like she said. Okay, when I saw that picture, I totally freaked out. Because I kept thinking, what are the odds? What are the odds? And of course, I, so I called up our trustees and I'm like, you guys, I think we're supposed to go for this building. And sure enough, by Thursday, we made the decision to go for that building. And of course, that building is right in the heart of our downtown restaurant district. And the coolest location you could ever pick for a church. And, and even, get this, even though a building like that would easily cost over $40 million to build from scratch, we got it for $2 million. Two million. Okay. 
In fact, we just moved into it last year and we've already had to add a second service already. It's just really been a revival in our church, having two services in the heart of our downtown. And as if that wasn't amazing enough, God actually provided another building. We just moved into another 105,000 square foot building, really a building that should have cost us 22 million that we built for only 10 and a half million, most of which was done in cash in the same year. And here's a side-by-side -side picture of us uh, in our, we, I mean, we've just been adding services. It's just been one of the most fun years ever for a price that doesn't make sense. And, but, but here's why I'm sharing this story today, and I want you to listen closely, okay? Because for starters, I just had the sense that God brought you to church today because there's a few of you here who you're just discouraged. You're discouraged about your dreams, and God wants to remind you that he is still alive and he is still at work on your dreams. And if you would just continue to open up your heart and place your faith in his hands, he's gonna show up at the proper time, but there's always a proper time for his miracles, but even more than this, I, I look back on, on this story, and I, I really feel like God actually showed me a lot of principles of generosity. He was actually teaching me principles of generosity through this story. And I actually want to share some of these principles with you in the remaining time. In fact, what I want to do to be specific is I want to show you three truths on generosity that can turn your tears into joy. And the first one is this. If you're a note taker, write this down. These are three truths on generosity that will turn your tears that will turn your tears into joy. And the first one is this. Don't expect a harvest if you're not sowing seeds. Don't expect a harvest if you're not sowing seeds. I know this is kind of basic and some of you are like, okay, Peter, I get it. I know how seeds work. You all, you know, all of us put the little seed in the little dirt styrofoam cup when we were in grade school and then you put it in the window and you watch it grow. But some of us, you know what we do is, is we dig around and we mess up with that seed. You know what I'm saying? Because it's not growing fast enough. And so we dig our finger in there. You know what I'm saying? Come on, I was that guy that did that and then my thing never grew. You know what I'm saying? But I, I think a lot of times, though, we're also those people that, like, we expect a harvest when we haven't sown seeds. People are coming up to me all the time. Why isn't God blessing my finances? Well, are you giving generously? Are you tithing? Are you, are you doing some of the fundamental things that God's word says about sowing seed? Well, no. Well, yeah, of course you're not uh, reaping a harvest. That's because you got to put the seed in the ground. You know what I'm saying? And f so for whatever that is, you know what I'm saying? Like if you, if you want more time, then sow time. If you want more finances, then sow finances. If you want other people to extend forgiveness to you, then, then extend forgiveness and grace to other people. You get the idea. You sow seeds in our lives. and Because that's why the Bible says, listen, Galatians 3, or 6, 7, a man reaps what he sows. A man reaps what he what? sows, right? Uh, Proverbs eleven twenty five. a generous man prospers. That's what the Bible teaches. Acts 10 even teaches that an entire family, there was a man named Cornelius and his entire family got saved because he gave generously to those in need. That's what the Bible says, that God was so moved by his generosity that he sent him an angel to bring salvation to him. Acts chapter 10, verse 2. Listen, I don't know what you need, but the Bible is clear. Generosity moves God's heart. And if you need a breakthrough in your life, generosity is a great place to start because there are a lot of Bible stories that started with an act of generosity and turned into a crazy miracle. You see, I'm convinced one of the reasons that our church reaped the miracle we did is because we sowed even in a tear-filled season, the very season when we felt most stingy. 
which leads to the second principle of generosity that God taught me through this season. It's this, number two, the best way to meet your need is to meet God's need. The best way to meet your need is to focus on God's need. Don't focus. Sometimes we're so focused on our own needs and we're just obsessed. That's all we think about. Even as we worship, we're like, oh God, my physical body, my finances, my this, my that. You know, and at some point, some, it, it helps us to get our focus on something bigger than ourselves and it's the kingdom of heaven. That's what some of you experienced this week at the Serve Weekend. When you're out there in these neighborhoods just loving on people, you start realizing, you know what? There's something bigger going on than just me, than my life, than my wants and my needs. There's other people who need me. And, and, and so really ministry and generosity, it liberates us from the tyranny of our overly magnified needs. And God sees that and focuses on what's going on in our lives when we do that, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that other people run after. God just adds it into your life. Come on, somebody. Matthew 6, 33. It's awesome. As an example, this last, last year, my wife and I were at this mission fundraiser, and we were hearing about this organization that was doing all this great stuff with kids all over the world. And of course, I'm not going to lie, it was inspiring. When you, when you saw all the things that they were doing to help children all over the world, you just want to give. And of course, there was that point where uh, they were asking for an offering. And of course, my wife and I are very generous, but uh, we had already just given a lot of money in the last year. You know what I'm saying? So we were kind of at the little, you know, the tip of our generosity quotient, at least I was. Okay. And, um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, so it was that moment where we had to pray about what we were going to give. And my wife was like, um, well, what do you sense the Holy Spirit telling you, Peter? And I'm like, well, what do you sense the Holy Spirit telling you? And I shouldn't have asked that because my wife is way more generous than me. And she said, well, Peter, I, I kind of feel like the Holy Spirit wants us to give $10,000. And I was like, $10,000? You know what I'm saying? Like, I was thinking like 1000 or maybe 500 You know what I'm saying? I'm just being honest. Okay, that was what was in my heart. My wife is more spiritual than me. And I, I, but it kind of jolted me when she said $10,000 because I'm like, I'm like, baby, we just, like, we already give tithes and offerings. In fact, we just gave $10,000 like the month earlier to our building fund. And I'm like, and trust, and, and, and I know it sounds like we have a lot of money, uh, but keep in mind, okay, we still drive a rusty minivan with missing hubcaps, okay? I'm just, just, just to give you a little context, it's not that we don't have other things we could spend money on, okay? Every time I jump into that rusty minivan, it's got like over 200,000 miles on it. I call it, I affectionately call it the loser cruiser. Because that's how you feel when you're in it. Come on, is anybody just, you know, that's your car. Come on, just confess that. In fact, a lot of, I, we actually would name our cars. Give, we'd give them names because when you humanize them, you kind of feel like you have to love them unconditionally. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and so we, kinda, we name our ugly cars. And, and you never name your nice cars, right? But ugly cars. because And so, like, we have this rusty minivan. And, of course, every single time I'm driving and I'm like, oh, God, how much longer? You know, like this car, it's like literally, oh, it's so ugly. You know, nothing works. The power windows don't work. You know what I'm saying? Like, and uh, so it's not like we don't have things to spend money on. So when my wife said $10,000, like immediately my mind went to the minivan. Or another thing that I kept thinking about was uh, we have this couch set on our main living room and it's brown pleather. You know what a pleather? It's not real leather because we're so cheap. And it's pleather, but it peels. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so even though it's only like two years old, it's like totally peeling. And then it just like clings to your body. You know what I'm saying? Like, why do couches just get up on you? You know what I'm saying? Like, 
That's not supposed to happen. And of course, like literally like one year into it, you, you sit in that chair and you're like, you're like low riding, right? Somehow my kids managed to bend all the springs in it. And, uh, and so like literally our entire floor is always, we have to vacuum it every single day because it's covered in brown specks, okay? And so when you sit on this couch, the last thing you want are brown spots right here <laughs> for reasons I don't have to explain. You know what I'm saying? You don't, like immediately, so when my wife said, I feel like the Lord's calling us to give $10,000. I'm like, no, the brown pleather couch. <laughs> Baby, come on. How long are we going to wait? How long are we going to drive the loser cruiser? How long? Like, it's not like we don't have things to spend money on. And yet, you know, I, I just, and so when my wife said that, I was like, are you sure? Are you sure? And of course, you know, my wife looked at me with her eyes and you know how like, you know how like, I don't know if your spouse can do this, but my wife can communicate a thousand words with one eyebrow. She just has that gift. You know what I'm saying? And she, she looked like, I'm like, baby, are you sure? 10,000. And she literally, her eyebrow said, man up, Peter, it's time to get spiritual. You know what I'm saying? Her eyebrow speaks with a very low voice. I'm just saying. <laughs> so right there, she, she kind of looked at me like, come on, Peter, pray. And, and so I'm like, okay. I'm like, God is, I'm like, God, is that really the number? Because I'm uncomfortable. And, um, and I like instantly he impressed upon my heart. Yep, Peter, that's the number. Your wife is more spiritual. Watch me provide. Okay, so just like in that order, right? So, and, and so get this. Over the next month, $11,000 came in from nowhere. We got three random checks from three random people in the mail. And it was like every single time God kept bringing finances into our life after we were generous again. It was like the Holy Spirit was saying, Peter, come on. See, I got you. I got you. Which leads to the third principle that I've learned even throughout this season. And it's this. Number three, spirit-led sowing always results in more seed. Spirit-led sowing always results in more seeds. 2 Corinthians 9, 10, and 11 says this. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10, that God, it actually says that God provides seed to the sower, and specifically, he will increase your store of seed so that you can be generous on every occasion. Man, wouldn't it be cool to be that person? That's what God has appointed you to be. Think about that. He wants you to be generous on every occasion. But guess what? He doesn't just expect you to be generous on every occasion. He, he actually is going to increase your store of seed so that you can be generous on every occasion. But, well, so then it begs the question, well, how do we know if it's spirit-led? Well, I, I believe that the Holy, I always know it's the Holy Spirit when the number he gives me stretches my faith. You know what I'm saying? It always makes me feel uncomfortable, okay? So if the number the Holy Spirit is speaking to me is not uncomfortable, then I'm not even sure my faith is involved, okay? Generally, that's me thinking it through. The Lord always gives me that number, and then he trusts me. Why? Because God wants me to stretch those spiritual faith muscles, to flex them. God wants to create a testimony. He wants to, he wants to reveal himself, which on a side note, when I, when I heard about your generosity challenge offering that you guys are taking up this next week, uh, when I read all that Next Level Church is 
doing. I was blown away. I mean, I just read this. Read this. It's so crazy. Come on, the Dream Center, your serve day, that was an incredible thing to see all the people who showed up for that. Or you're building homes in Haiti. You're supporting missionaries all over the world. I mean, come on. You, you realize that you don't have to do that as a church, right? You don't have to. And you'd be like 95% of all churches in America. You know what I'm saying? Just happy being selfish. But you know what? You guys have made a decision to be a supernatural kind of church. And I believe that's why your church is a one percenter church, the type of church that's growing even when most churches in the country are not growing. God is all over this church. But let me tell you why God is all over this church. Because that is the heart of your pastors. I don't know if you realize how cool your pastors are. Just over the last 10 years, I've gotten to have a a front row seat to to all the things that your pastor, every single time I hang out with your pastors, they're they're going all in again, all in. Like I cannot tell you how many times they've taken all of their finances and they've put it, just invested it all right back into the church. Why? Because they love you. And do you realize how many giant churches would be happy to hire a pastor like your pastors and just throw lots of money at them? And yet your pastors are like, nope. We love Southwest Florida so much, we would give anything to this church. Even just the other night, we were out, for, we were out just having dessert at a restaurant with your pastors. And of course, uh, Matt and Sarah were literally weeping as they told us about saving kids in Peru. I mean, just, just bleeding passion for, for changing the world. And of course, as they shared story after story, pretty soon, it wasn't just them crying. We were all crying. And I'm like, I want to help save kids in Peru. I had like key lime pie just drooling out of my mouth. Like, it was like, I, I was so blown away. I mean, like, listen, this is your church. And, and, and so like, I was so blown away by their passion that when I got home that night, when I finally got back to the hotel, I just, I looked at my wife and I'm like, you know what, Carolyn, that's why Next Level Church is defying all the odds. That's why God keeps just, is literally just sowing buildings into their life. Just, it, it's because, it's because Matt and Sarah, your pastors, they don't see generosity as an obligation. They see it as a celebration. And there's a huge difference between people that see it as an obligation rather than a celebration. You see, let me put it this way. Generosity isn't an action, it's a reaction after experiencing God's love. Are you hearing me? It's not an action, it's a reaction after experiencing God's love. In fact, I would go as far as to say, if generosity is hard for you, then it's probably a sign that we haven't fully tapped into God's love or that something is actually obstructing God's love from our lives. Because actually, generosity is quite easy. In fact, I I would put it this way. Generosity is not something we strive to do. It's something we surrender to. It's not something you strive to do. It's something you surrender to. Do you see the difference? It's more of a passive thing. That's why we say just be generous. Don't, don't, Don't just... Be generous, okay? It's, it's more of like a surrender. God just flows out of us generosity. And how do we surrender to generosity? We do it by simply asking God to whisper to us about moments. And sometimes God will whisper, you know what, Peter, spend more time with that person. Peter, sow more seed towards that ministry, towards that individual. Help them. Pay for their car to get fixed. Pay for their hospital bills. Simple things like that. Just let God whisper. In fact, even just this week, let God whisper to you about next week's offering. And I'm convinced this could be your breakthrough moment. You know, when it's one final story when when our church finally got a contract on the historic Wesley Building in downtown Minneapolis. 
we started exploring it because this thing, you know, this was built by during the Civil War, right? So this is, we kept finding ancient treasures all throughout it. We kept finding, we'd find photos of presidents who had spoken there, like Richard Nixon. We found out that Martin Luther King Jr. had preached at this church. We kept finding all these celebrities who had been at this church over the years. And, and uh, it was like an old castle where we kept finding artifacts that were priceless. And, and But there's one thing that we found that I never expected to find, and it's this. There's this old painting on the second floor and it's a nine foot fresco of Christ as a child and it's a depiction of Christ when he turned 12 years old uh, you might remember the story Mary and Joseph lost Jesus in Jerusalem and when they finally found him they found him in the temple discussing the law with the teachers and of course um, the teachers of the law were just blown away by a 12 year old's insights and really the point of the story was to show that even though Christ was only 12 years old his ministry was legit already. And of course, this was extra poetic to me because when we acquired the building, the contract on this building, our church had just turned 12 years old also, right? And so to possess this building of this painting of 12-year-old Jesus when our church just turned 12 years old, it just felt so validating. It felt so poetic, especially after all the people that had left and all the criticism we endured. It was like God was saying, hey, I'm going to give you a story that's going to show the world, hey, I'm doing something legit through this ministry. And, and get this, okay? We knew the painting was old, but nobody knew how old. And so we, we, we consulted some art historians and guess what, okay? It turns out that the painting was done by a well-known artist during the Civil War. And when they evaluated the windows in this painting, the stained glass windows in this painting alone are worth over $3 million. When I heard that, I just felt like the Lord was smiling from heaven saying, see, Peter, I got you. You're so in tears. I'm going to bring about a story in your life that is so powerful, so poetic, that everybody in your life will say, wow. And I believe that God wants to do the same thing in your life. But it takes something first. It takes a heart that's open to him, willing to walk out this miracle of radical generosity. And I just want to ask you to close your eyes. What is that area for you? Where, where, where are you tempted to be stingy? Is it your time? Is it your finances? Is it your forgiveness? Right now, I believe that God wants to rain down his generosity upon you so that you can be like him. And if that's you today, just pray this with me. Right now, Heavenly Father, I just, I thank you for all the people in this church, all that you're doing here. And I, I just ask you that you would move in a supernatural way. And even for people that are maybe new to you and not, not sure what to think, I pray that you would just welcome them into this supernatural lifestyle. And church, if that's you, just pray this after me. Say this, say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Use me for your purposes that I might live for you starting today and for the rest of my life. And if you agree with that prayer, say amen. 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 I love you guys.